This is a voice for the truth featuring Kevin Watts. I'm in the lobby of the uh, uh, County Fire Department headquarters. And here are the five things I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and was seated on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from which he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Amen. I believe that ordinary people can accomplish extraordinary things. I believe in the free market economy coupled with political freedom is the only way for human beings to advance both as a society and individually. I believe the family is the linchpin, the key to adjusting the world society. I believe America is the greatest country in the world. We have here this afternoon the chief of the County Fire Department here in Punta Gorda. It's actually the Charlotte County Fire Department. And Chief, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Certainly. My name is Jason Fair. I had the privilege of serving as Charlotte County Public Safety Director and Fire Chief. Excellent. And what made you decide to, first of all, want to become a firefighter in the first place? I mean, you're going into buildings while most people are running out of buildings. So what, what made you decide to do something like that? Well, certainly. So basically, and as is the case for many of us, is um, it's, it's a drive from when you're young, um, you know, sometimes driven by the experiences around you, by seeing other responders, sometimes driven by television shows. You know, I know for us, it was Emergency 51, you know, Squad 51. Um, but I also had the privilege of um, the opportunity. I was an ocean lifeguard in St. Augustine, St. John's County, when I was young in high school. And uh, what that did was open up the door to have an interaction with the fire and EMS system in that area. And uh, that led to me being a volunteer firefighter. And uh, that led to a career in firefighting. Oh, outstanding. And so now you are you're facing, what has been your greatest accomplishment so far, you feel, as a, as a fire chief? Well, speaking in regard to accomplishments, I, I don't think of them as much as mine, as much as I do just our organization. Um, and with that, I think, um, as has been happening all over the world, have been the challenges of the last two years. You know, working through a pandemic, working through the impacts on not just those that we respond to, but the responders themselves. So here we've been in an environment that has had us operating in, at just peak levels for such an extended period of time. And so I think the accomplishment has been our ability to just be resilient and maintain a level of service throughout that period of time. Um, and just looking at the resiliency in our own personnel, um, stepping up and not just you know providing that service, but reaching out and helping each other also. And so within that, within that uh, so your biggest challenge has been the COVID uh, crisis or has it been other things as well that's been a challenge to you as chief? Well, our biggest thing right now is just, is just the response to the pandemic and then maintaining that service level through that period. Um, and that's what I'm saying. We're just incredibly pleased with, you know, how our personnel have just stepped up to that challenge. Um, it isn't, um, I came into this position halfway through that process. 
Um, so it was kind of like picking up the mantle from um, as it was passed on and, and basically for us to try to maintain that service. You know, we make a commitment to the community around us and, you know, being able to provide that service on a daily basis is our absolute priority. Oh, that's excellent. So I wanted to ask you, because it's very unusual to have a county fire department along with city fire departments. Usually it's just one or the other. And so how do you coordinate with the other local fire departments in the area when there's an emergency? Let's say uh, like uh, earlier this month, we had a tornado that passed through the area. In situations like that, who is there a command and, a certain command and control operation there or is it just uh, or is it just depending on the situation? So no, that's a great question. So there are a number of different models that play out throughout our state on whether it's a county system, whether it's a city or municipality system, or whether it's what we call a special taxing district, or it's a district that really doesn't have a community-based government, but yet they've been identified to maintain their own service through, through referendum. So from that perspective, um, we have in Charlotte County, we have the city of Pagorda as a fire department. We have Charlotte County as a fire department for those unincorporated areas. And then we have Inglewood as a fire district um, that covers the Inglewood area and then part of Sarasota. So we've got each of those um, makeups in our own county. Um, while they provide fire service and we provide fire service, Charlotte County Fire and EMS provides the EMS service for the county. So we do have a lot of overlap. Um, our system, the way that we work, and then again, this is a statewide model, you know, has parameters set up to where we interact with each other regularly um, in our responses. We also have regular mutual aid. There is a statewide mutual aid agreement that basically everybody enters into agreement that says, yes, we will offer assistance when we can, you know, beyond our borders if there's a request for it. Um, and that is also kind of helped through what we call the state emergency response plan. State emergency response plan is a state plan that governs emergency responses kind of outside of our local areas into our region and throughout our state. For example, when you look at um, Hurricane Michael, um, those responses throughout the state were run through that state emergency response plan. So you have firefighters and paramedics and engines and rescues from Southwest Florida all the way up into the panhandle providing service and that's way outside of their districts and it's part of that agreement, part of that plan. Oh, that's excellent. Uh... Do you think, do you think in the future there'd be any changes to that plan or do you think that, that the way things are, you're just going to leave it alone because it's working now? Um, so the state emergency response plan started after, um, Hurricane Andrew. So Hurricane Andrew kind of identified the need to kind of, you know, bring some measures of guidance and control to, cause everybody wants to come and help. That's the nature of those individuals who are in this business. They want to be there. They want to help. Um, but there have to be parameters set that kind of help identify who's coming, how long they're going to be there, what kind of service they're providing, and how can we support them while they're there. And that's what that state emergency response plan is set up for. What happens in regard to changes is that it's under constant revision. So, you know, we'll make a little revisions here and there, let it run for a bit. If we see opportunities to improve it, then yes, we'll improve it. And that can be based on the type of responses that we've had. Maybe there's been some lessons learned. Um, it can be from, as you alluded to earlier, that camp command and control side, that maybe there's some opportunities to make some changes there where we can have, you know, better management of those responses. Um, and it can be all the way down to just support. How do we support those once they've been deployed or sent to those areas? So, so it's always under a revision, um, but the plan concept itself has been solid. 
Excellent. So if there is a man-made disaster, well, such as the building collapse in the Miami area uh, earlier this year, or a natural disaster like a hurricane or tornado, is the response different? The response runs through the state emergency response plan. So it, it runs through that plan, but the response makeup is different depending on what that emergency is. You know, for example, with the building collapse, that was a very urban search and rescue focused response. So there was a lot of those resources that were pushed out in, you know, in, that, in those early days um, and early weeks. Hurricane, it's a matter of getting, you know, EMS specific in there and, you know, for evacuations to, to assist in some of those um, nursing homes, hospitals, and things like that. And then it turns right around to making sure that we have those urban search and rescue teams and engine companies, fire engine companies ready to move in as soon as that storm moves out along with those EMS systems. So it's, it's, very, based, it's, it's very much based on the disaster itself um, to help drive what those resources might be. Oh, that's outstanding. So you're, do you have any uh, uh, goals in mind that you want to accomplish during your tenure to sort of uh, leave your mark on the department? Um, my mark, you know, for me, defining that mark is probably, you know, like so many others, you want, what you want to do is, is you want to come in and you want to be able to support an operation and make it the very best it can be. Um, you know, so that would be the mark is just trying to find every opportunity to leave it better than we found it. Um, and I, and I think that that's, that's driven by technology. You know, it, it's, it's, it's driven by government. It's, it's driven by, you know, our need locally. For example, we are one of the fastest growing areas. You know, we are the last of the coastal communities to really develop in this area. You know, so it's driven by that growth to help us do that. So, um, so for me, you know, if it was a matter of what, what's the goal, it's, it's the goal to be able to provide a service that's meeting the need of our, of our environment um, and our community. Um, you know, I'd love for us to be the example throughout the state, um, the nation for setting a benchmark, um, the ones for which that others strive to meet um, but we also have to build a, a leadership team and, and a concept to be able to support that. So your, uh, so your focus is going to be mainly to the growth of the department as the population grows, uh, because you, you, you alluded to the fact that the, uh, that the population is growing, uh, and how are you going to be involved in the, in the aspect of developing the infrastructure to uh, to be able to service those newcomers to the state mm -hmm. and to this region in particular? Well, very fortunate in Charlotte County that we have a very involved and engaged, you know, um, county government. So there is a lot of partnership and overlap in order to, when you refer to infrastructure, to make sure that that infrastructure is there. Um, so public safety plays a very small role in that. When it comes to making sure that we have a system that is capable of supporting the needs of our growing community, you know that's where we come in. Is you know we're the advocates of what that need is and meeting that need. Um, and we do things like, for example, uh, bringing in a third party to come in and take a look at our operation and take a look at at the growth you know the growth possibilities in there, the trends that are in there to help us define what that looks like moving forward as such a strategic plan in a sense. Um, so when you talk about goals, yes, that is a goal to be able to, to, to build a system that supports the needs of our, of our local government, of our local community. Um, I think also in there is the opportunity for us to build a system that provides service types, you know, beyond that as well. For example, 
um, the county has committed and the state has committed as well as we build an ARF training prop, which is for airport fire and rescue. Um, we're engaged in building a, a, a large prop right now that will be um, one of the biggest in the state to be able to provide a service and training uh, that will become a regional or state asset. You know, so we look to build those opportunities as well, things that will help us be that leader in the, you know, in our, in our system and in our profession to provide service training um, to help grow not just our area, but the capabilities of other areas around us. Now, you've gotten, so you, you uh, the local officials in the area have been very cooperative with you. They've worked with you in, in, these, in these ideas and plans that you have. Oh, absolutely. They're an integral part of that. So um, these discussions aren't things that happen behind closed doors within just public safety. They are countywide discussions. Um, again, because none of this could be accomplished without the partnerships, and those partnerships are needed across the board, and we're fortunate to have them. Now, one of the things I found out that's very interesting to me is that uh, there are a certain segment of firefighters that are volunteer firefighters. How do you, do they receive the same training as the paid uh, uh, fire firefighters? Uh, do they get they get the same training? Do they? Uh, how do you incorporate them into the into the system? Because I know in other areas of the country, where they, they're separate, you have volunteer firemen and firefighters, and you have the ones that are paid, and they tend to be separate in other areas of the country. But you seem to incorporate them within the department itself itself. Right. And so, how do you how, how does that work? So, well, Florida has a model where, yes, they can have, you know, a combined system where they have volunteer and they have paid professionals. Um, as far as Charlotte County, um, meaning the county system, we do not have volunteers currently. So one of the challenges that are associated is that the training requirements within the state of Florida are such that it's very difficult to maintain the training requirements, you know, to provide the service. So for a volunteer who's doing it on a part-time basis, it's hard for them to maintain the training requirements to remain current. You know, so that's a challenge when it comes to volunteer systems. So in a paid professional system, you know, there's not a lot of volunteers for that reason because we have committed to a service level that requires that consistent training you know, and to have that proficiency there. And it, it makes it very difficult for volunteers to maintain that. Um, you, I know that there are other departments that use volunteers kind of a, a system to bring them in and start training them to, you know, to move into that professional side. You know, and I think that those are opportunities, um, but to make them part of your basis, your basic response model, um, it's difficult to do because of those training requirements. That's, that's completely understandable uh, because I was thinking also that the union may not be crazy about having a, a volunteer uh, set of volunteer firemen and, and fire firefighters within the, within the department itself so i was just wondering how that dynamic would work um, that's that's an area we haven't we haven't had to deal with so you know we we have not worked through volunteers in our system so i guess that's a discussion point that hasn't come up with the union because we don't do that all right well uh in the future um where do you see the fire department going in terms of do you see an expansion of of responsibilities because of the because of the growth the population growth in the area uh i know that normally uh firefighters have to respond to every single type of emergency outside of law enforcement mm -hmm. and which brings me to another question uh, 
how is your relationship with the county sheriff's department, with the local law enforcement authorities in the area? Because there's certain events like the building collapse where you have to have the cooperation of both sides. Mm -hmm. And I just was wondering, or or any sort of emergency situation. And I was wondering how do, how does that work with the coordination between the two agencies? No, and I'll answer that question first. Uh, we actually have a very good relationship with the sheriff's office um, that we work directly with. Um, we work as response partners with the police department, just like we do the other fire districts. Um, we partnership with the sheriff's office in many aspects. One, we have a mutual response um, in regard to just our everyday calls. You know, they are there with us on a number of them, depending on what those call types are. Um, our crews are on the water. We know that the sheriff's office and their marine units are on the water with us. Um, we also partner with the sheriff's office from the perspective of they have an aviation unit over there and um, their helicopters participate with us in fighting brush fires or um, wildland interface fires, urban interface fires. Um, so they have an aviation unit that does firefighting. So we partner with them there. Um, and the sheriff's working on what we're looking at is an IRIS program, which is like a community medicine program and a community policing program. Um, so we're partnering with them there as well. Um, we have some of our paramedics are on the sheriff's office SWAT team as tactical medics. Um, they're there to support the medical needs of, of those responders, of, you know, of those um, operators, um, but also whatever they might run into during an operation as well to include um, potential patients that are, are also, you know, the subject of the investigation or the subject of a warrant. Excellent. Um, now, you, you also, um, uh, it, there's been a lot of talk in, uh, about mental health in general in society. And I was wondering how does that uh, impact your department? It, it, has there been an issue with mental health uh, crisis? Because firefighting is a very stressful occupation. And so I was wondering, were there any programs set up to, to help people who may be anxious or stressed or depressed? Because you see a lot of bad things in your position. So I'm wondering, how do, you, how do, you, how do we address that issue? Well, I, and one, let me just say that's a great question. And I think that it is becoming more and more forefront as we've worked through these last few years of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the impact on our population as a whole and us being part of that population. Um, but there's also the impact of the job that they do on a regular basis. Um, so we're seeing, we're seeing more and more attention brought to the subject. And I think that that's a good thing, and it's and it's time for it. Um, I think that we are seeing the needs, we're we're seeing programs and opportunities build and grow right now because of that need. So it's going to be interesting to see what time does with it. Um, but I'm glad to see that it's getting the attention that it needs. Um, and I know that um, it's it's on the national level, it's on the state level, it's even on the local level of that being one of those priorities and one of those things that we have to pay attention to. Excellent. Our well, I, I think, uh, I think that, I think that I, you've answered most of my questions to a, a great basis. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, hopefully our audience gets something about it. There's one other issue that I wanted to touch with you on, uh, because of the weather conditions currently, uh, people now are starting to look for alternate ways of keeping warm. Uh, it's not cold, not that cold to me, because being from the north, I mean, I'm used to cold weather. But 
Uh, for people who've been Floridians all their lives, this is this is they're freezing right now. Uh, what recommendations do you have in terms of heating yourself safely? Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's space heaters. There's all sorts of uh, firewood. Uh, people are buying all sorts of stuff to keep themselves warm. What advice would you have for them to keep themselves safe as well as warm? Oh, that's a great question. So um, the one thing, that, the easy answer is just make sure you're being safe and by, by whatever manner you're using. Um, however, in dialing into that a little bit more, when we talk about space heaters and things like that, we need to make sure that they are in good working order. We need to make sure that they have the right um, underwriter laboratories, the testing and everything to make sure that it's being used in the space it's meant for, not outside of the means for which it was intended, um, keeping that area around it clear. Uh, the same thing plays for fires and things like that. It needs to be contained. It needs to be in, in, in a container that's appropriate for what you're using it for. Um, and, you know, for those who have chimneys and things like that, that the chimneys are in good working order, um, that the dampers and everything are in good functioning order and used appropriately. Um, so those are the big things. Um, when it comes to the safety, you know, again, carbon monoxide detectors are, we strongly encourage those and the use of those. They save hundreds of lives a year. Um, so it's one thing that we need to have in there operationally. And I know that Todd has a lot of experience in that as well as in giving these exact lectures. So, yeah. so you're free to join. This is Todd Dunn. Uh, you introduce yeah. yourself, Todd. Yeah, I'm Todd Dunn. I'm the public information officer and for the department. So I do a lot of the public outreach and talk about some of these issues. So yeah, I agree with the things that Chief said. You, One of the things that we do see is people when, whether it's in the heat of the summer or the cold of the winter, they might be overloading outlets. And that is a, a temptation to avoid because that could cause problems. I can remember, I believe it was last summer, somebody um, had plugged in a wall unit into like a multi-strip and then that shorted out and, and caused a fire. So you don't ever want to overload your outlets. That's something you want to be careful about as well. Oh, excellent, outstanding. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and, and go over these issues. Uh, and, you know, if the public wants to uh, have a dialogue with you, is there any way to for them to contact you? I know, I know, I know, Todd, you handled the public relations aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there is there any way for them to contact you directly, Chief, if they if they so desire, or or does does it get put through to you first and then it goes? Yeah, through. a lot of it comes to me. I mean, is uh, Chief, you can talk about your email. That's always a way to to have a. a you know, direct access to them. So more than welcome to email. Um, and that's uh, Jason, J-A-S-O-N dot fair, F-A-I-R at Charlotte County spelled out F-L dot gov. Um, and then they can call into our main line. Um, and that is 941-833-5600. And then they'll make sure to route you wherever I might be. Okay. So is there any, any plans to do any social media type uh, uh Social media type events or social media uh, contacts. You're talking about like a open house type thing on oh, social media. Yes, or? like a like a Facebook. Uh, yeah, open, open, we open have um, a Facebook page, uh, Charlotte County Public Safety, and uh, Instagram. Yeah, also, we're out on those platforms next door through part of the county, and uh, so you know we 
do a lot of, I put a lot of the, the things that our men and women are involved with on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis, I post up there. Uh, so often uh, people, uh, you know, look on that to see, you know, why, why they were sitting in traffic or what all the lights were about right. how we do that. Okay, excellent. Because, you know, I, I always believe the more open you are, mm -hmm. the, more, uh, the more attention you'll get positively. I think, you know, you're transparent. People will respect that and, and, and sort of honor that. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are, are getting involved in the social media aspect as well, because a lot of people get all their information through social media. They don't watch television anymore. They don't listen to radio. Social media seems to be it, you know, as far as getting information. So uh, with that said, I'd like to thank you guys for your time. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to interview you, and I wish you the best of success. And I also want to appreciate. I also want to show appreciation to men and women who risk their lives to protect ours. That's no greater thing that a person can do is it is to give up their to give up their treasure, their life for someone else's well-being. So Very I want well to commend said. you for that. Very well said. Thank you. All right.